You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to The Worship Review, a podcast which critically and charitably evaluates the songs that are sung by Christians, normally the songs that are sung in the church, although in this series we are looking more broadly at songs in the global church, and we've decided to organize this series based on the countries that listen to this podcast. So we've been going through those in a ranking, and this week we are going to be looking at the country of Uganda and its top song in kind of the gospel Christian spiritual whatever charts. And my name is Colin. I am a history professor, former leader of worship, as we might say, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tyler. I am a linguist, and I formerly sang and played guitar in a few churches. All right. We are going to be reviewing the song, Death Has No Power, by Jeremy Camp and Adrian. Camp, yeah, we'll go with that. Adrian, I think she goes by Audrey oh, or or Addie. Addie. Addie, yeah, yeah, something like that. But you know, I don't know her personally, so maybe I'm not allowed to use that. Perhaps not. Name. Either way, uh, famous uh, lead vocalist of the band, the Benjamin Gate, if I remember correctly. Yes, yes, she was. Yeah, the fifth fifth element, uh, bright orange hair in one of the videos. And she's from South Africa. Mm-hmm. We'll take a look at a South African song in a later episode in this series. And death has no power over me. I will stand in the wake of victory. So then come what may, I follow all the way. Cause death has no power over me. Well, before we jump in here, Colin, I'd like to talk a little bit about Jeremy Camp as the lead singer. So he lost his first wife to cancer, uh, age 20, only a handful of months into their marriage. So they got married. A few months later, she was diagnosed, and a few months later, she was dead. Wow. And I imagine, I, I don't know for certain, but I imagine this has some element to play in right. the this song describing death as having no power over him yeah. because uh, for the Christian, death is not the end, and we know that. Uh, and those of us who have experienced loss, which is most of us at this mm-hmm. point, uh, which is most of us, will know that one of the most reassuring things about the Christian faith is the promise of resurrection. And as you said, Adrian Camp is the former lead singer of the Benjamin Gate. When Jeremy Camp asked Adrian to marry him, that band broke up. So uh, Jeremy Camp is kind of the bookend, unintentional bookend. He's the Yoko. Of, yeah, of the Benjamin Gate. And before we jump into the song, I want to talk a little bit about Uganda. Sure. Uh, because... Apparently, Uganda really likes this song. 
Uh, the Ugandan flag has a gray-crowned crane on it, a symbol for the Ugandan people, or peoples. Or it's a very diverse country. Um, Uganda's president, Yoweri Museveni, has reigned for 35 years after election reform. Whoa. Uh, um, he removed, after election reform. He removed his term limits. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, what could go wrong, right? We haven't yeah. seen this before. Um, and... Uganda has a rapidly growing film industry, often called Yuga Wood. So Uganda Wood, kind of based off of Bollywood or Hollywood. And it includes a lot of homegrown filmmakers, as well as video halls, with something called a video joker. Do you have an idea what a video joker is? I do not know at all. A video joker is, in Uganda... Someone who is a real-time translator of a movie that's on screen if it's not in a language that's spoken there. Right. So you take a Hollywood movie, you don't know what's being said, and they have these guys. I imagine this is a skill that has to be honed. It's a craft oh, yeah. because there are these videos of these guys doing this, and you'll see these two guys talking and uh, speaking in English. Um, and then the guy has to listen, translate not just what was said, but kind of the, not just the sentiment itself, but all of the emotion and everything behind it into uh, the text. And someone put a video of a Yuga Wood or Ugandan film with an English speaking um, <laughs> Joker video Joker. And so it's amazing to watch. These guys are witty, clever, funny, fast paced. The humor is good. So uh, definitely something to look for. You can look for video jokers on the YouTubes. And now let's talk about the song. Death has no power. Yes, so this song is a reflection on the power of our Lord Jesus Christ over death itself. And uh, the, the one who is ensnared in death, it, caught in the grip of hell even, uh, is liberated by Christ uh, who tramples down the fear of every darkest hour. We see that uh, not just that death has been defeated, but in a little bit more clear of a sense, the grave cannot hold uh, the singer down. Okay. And we even get a look at Calvary. At a, at, so we name Calvary specifically. Mm -hmm. And then um, we learn that the enemy himself is defeated. So it's not just that death is powerless. It's not mm -hmm. just that the grave has uh, been overcome, but the enemy himself is defeated. Okay. So it sounds like, just from the overview, that there is some specificity that we can look at in this song. I wonder, as we get into, you know, each verse and chorus, whether that will hold up. Right. You tore the veil so I could see the beauty of your majesty With blood-stained arms You carry me Into your love Eternally So let's take a look at verse number one You tore the veil So I could see The beauty of your majesty With blood-stained arms You carried me Into your love eternally Okay, so end rhyme here, it's very poetic, uh, and this may influence why some of the syntax is kind of funny, so I'll take it sentiment by sentiment. You tore the veil so I could see 
So a veil has been torn, and the, in my mind, the obvious connection here to be made is the veil in the temple that yeah. was torn at Christ's death mm-hmm. on the cross. That veil was torn. We learn in Hebrews what kind of context this is to have. In Hebrews ten nineteen and 20, we learn, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. Okay. And so, um, the curtain that was torn, certainly though that in the temple was symbolic of the people of God now being able to enter into the holiest place through their high priest and representative, mm-hmm. um, echoes of which we can also find in the Old Testament in the high mm-hmm. priest himself. But the veil that was torn in Hebrews 10 is the flesh of Jesus. And so there is, I think, a little bit of confusion of metaphor here where um, you, I'm assuming is Christ, yeah, you tore the veil— So I could see the beauty of your majesty. So uh, the beauty of Christ's majesty was hidden behind a veil that had to be torn. Mm -hmm. Um, It sounds a little bit confusing and a little bit vague. It's possible that what is meant is that the, um, the Christ's lordship, even over death itself, was not visible until he Mm -hmm. had passed into and endured death and was resurrected. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, it's not the clearest way of representing that sentiment. So um, it's possible that this is meant to say, um, you know, Christ died. And so now the veil in the temple has been torn and we now have access to God, the father. Mm -hmm. Um, It's possible that that's what's meant, but that's not what's said. Right. Right. What's said is that the veil is torn. So I could see the beauty of, Christ's majesty. In what sense am I viewing his majesty? In what context? Um, And what, what, what aspect of his majesty am I viewing through the torn veil or through the torn flesh? Yeah, this is, I think, something that we will encounter, at least that I wrote down in my own notes, that came up again and again and again in this song. And that is the use of biblically sound imagery or ideas, but maybe in ways which aren't necessarily clear or or just kind of are devoid of either their biblical context or just which don't always have a context in the song. So you tore the veil so I could see the beauty of your majesty. When we think of the veil being torn, we, I have to think that we're... Well, the, the point of that being torn wasn't to see the beauty of your majesty, or at least it just depends on what that means. Yeah, not in the most literal right. sense, right? It's It's not... It's not an art display, yeah. right? Where we took down the walls of an art gallery so that we could see the most beautiful thing. That is a that is a possible um, yeah. side effect or consequence of this, but that I don't think that was the primary reason for the veil to be torn and for access to be granted to God's people yeah. to the holiest of holies. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So then we get to this next bit with bloodstained arms you carried me into your love eternally. What do you make of that, Tyler? Okay, I'll make one point that I like about this before I pick it apart, and that is that this depicts salvation in a monergistic way. So the Can you explain what that word means for our listeners? Yes. So as opposed to synergism in which I am an active participant in my salvation, mm-hmm. this depicts my salvation really as 
someone carrying my uh, perhaps lifeless or um, limp body to yeah. salvation. So I am passive in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I, I find that praiseworthy. Um, but again, it's another, it's another image, which itself is moving passionate, but not entirely clear. So Christ's bloodstained arms carrying me, carrying me where into his love eternally. So is, is this, I, I, I won't even ask a que- I won't even ask a specific question. I'll ask open-endedly. Colin, do you have any idea what this means? No, well, okay. I f- do find it a little bit strange because, first of all, bloodstained arms is a kind of it's a very gory image, actually. And it's kind of an awkward image because we think of like nail-pierced hands, but blood-stained arms like implies that Christ's arms were just, you know, I I think more of of Carrie than I do the cross. Oh, okay. Right. I I just imagine just blood all over Christ's arms. Certainly, Although certainly at a crucifixion, if his hands are pierced and they're yeah, yeah, slightly yeah, sure. above his body, sure. But it's just a it's down. an interesting. It's just it's kind of a I don't know. It just seems unnecessarily. It just kind of focuses on the gore. Sure. If you ask me, so there's that part, and then. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned this in your introductory comments. You get this, you're being carried into Christ's love eternally. And you mentioned in your opening comments how, you know, to get it to rhyme, eternally is at the end of that sentence, whereas it would be helpful if we had it somewhere else, because into your love eternally could mean, like, into uh, Jesus is constantly carrying us, like, he's carrying us eternally, or that the that the love is somehow eternal in some way, right? Based on, because, you know, it's an adverb, like, what is it, you know, an adverb typically modifies the verb, in which case it'd be modifying carried. Mm. Anyway, I mean, I think I know what he means. He probably means your love is eternal. Christ does not carry us into his love eternally in the sense that, like you said, he's not, per- he's not perpetually Correct. holding something in his arms, no. right? Um, but that's the way that the adverb works in that, because eternally is modifying that verb. It's also a little troubling to me to be carried into his love uh, if we take Romans chapter 8 seriously and, and say um, in verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. God foreknew his elect, loved them from before the foundations of the world. And uh, we, we are certainly, when, when we are brought, how do I say this? At our conversion, the timeline does not begin. Yeah, So right. the timeline is right. not, oh, when I am converted to Christianity— Christ is now carrying me in a way that he wasn't before. Sure. Yeah. He actually carried me to conversion. Yes. We, God softens our heart. His Holy spirit moves in us and we repent and turn. And so, um, we can be a little bit more careful about how we express this. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe other parts of the song will help clear things up. Maybe not. The empty tomb. 
it heals our stains. The grip of hell will not remain. Filled with your power, I'm standing free. Jesus, you are my glorious King. Oh. We get to the empty tomb, it heals our stains. The grip of hell will not remain. Filled with your power, I'm standing free. Jesus, you are my glorious king. Here we actually may have a theological question to deal with a little bit. The empty tomb, it heals our stains. Yeah, this is very interesting because the empty tomb is obviously meant to be a symbol for uh, Christ's resurrection. Yeah, And this is the most significant uh, thing for the... Romans, for example, as evidence yeah. that Christ was resurrected. Other than, you know, him appearing in yeah, bodily yeah. form and walking around, they could, they could, but again, they could disagree with that. They could say, well, you know, that's just a made up story. But at the time, if the tomb was empty, yeah. there's a big question to right. be answered there. Mm-hmm. It heals our stains. So I think this is a mixed metaphor. Does it cleanse our stains or heal our wounds? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Sure. Uh, it's not entirely clear. Yeah, because stains don't aren't healed. Right. But this is the problem that you get when you just don't use the word sin. Right. I, I see your point. I, I think the bigger issue here is that, as we spoke about before, the the crucifixion, the sacrifice of Christ, is modeled in many ways after the Old Testament sacrifices. And the big question here is, was the healing accomplished through the sacrifice of Christ as it, as the cleansing was accomplished through the sacrifice of goats and bulls and rams, or was it Christ's resurrection that brought about that healing? And scripture gives us very clear answers on this, right? So we have 1 Corinthians 15, 3, Christ died for our sins. The resurrection is validation. It, uh, it validates our forgiveness. It validates that Christ was righteous and that his sacrifice was accepted, but it's the sacrifice itself that actually brings forgiveness of sins. Christ's death paid the penalty for our sins. It justified us. It earned us God's forgiveness. And the empty tomb is what validates it, right? And gives us immense hope because yeah. Christ is the firstborn of the dead. And right. so we know we will be raised because Christ was raised. Exactly. And so it's not quite right to say that the empty tomb, it heals our stains. Assuming stain means sin and assuming heals means forgives. Yeah. Yeah. So again, I mean, I don't see this as a, uh, as a mistake that would sink the song but it is nevertheless imprecise. Mm-hmm. What about some of what is said after this? So the grip of hell will not remain. Now, I said earlier, I critiqued the idea of stains, but you know, it's interesting, he doesn't mention sin, but he mentions hell. Yes, that he is more rare. Songs are, I think, less... In my experience, it is less common to find mention of hell mm-hmm. than it is to find mention of sin. Mm-hmm. and. Jeremy Camp says, and Adrian Camp say, the grip of hell will not remain, which implies that the grip of hell was there. 
right? And that's a, that's a serious thing to sing about. Yes. Uh, that damn he has been spared damnation yeah. because of Christ's death. Well, maybe in the first couple of verses because of Christ's resurrection is what he's saying. But mm-hmm. what's implied is that Christ's death has brought him liberation from uh, that grip of hell. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then we get to... Filled with your power, I'm standing free. Jesus, you are my glorious king. I don't know why. I mean, I presume filled with the power has something to do with the Holy Spirit. Is that, but I'm guessing. And it seems sudden that we're talking about being filled with God's power now. And I don't know what I'm standing free means. Free of what? Free from what? Why standing? Why not sitting free? Why not jumping up and down free? I I don't know. Like, I don't know I mean, it, it it definitely conveys a sentiment that God has given us power and that has freed us from something, probably the grip of hell. But still, it just kind of seems clunky to me. There's some there's some vagueness here, definitely. I, I had this in mind when I said liberation earlier that you are liberated from damnation mm-hmm. because of Christ's work, because of Christ's sacrifice. Why standing and not sitting? I'm not entirely sure why. I think it could be that this is not meant to be a literal standing, uh, because standing is one of these verbs. I mean, even when I say it's a stative verb, like it describes someone's status, Mm -hmm. um, that stative is related to the Mm -hmm. verbs to stand. Mm -hmm. And so it could be a verb describing my new status as one who is free from death. but. It could also be describing my status as free from, um, well, free from hell, free from death, yeah. free from the curse of sin, yeah, free from the wages of sin, which sure. is death. Be- all of this because of Christ. Sure. None of it is borne out in detail. None of it is fleshed out. Um, I-, I do think filled with your power must be uh, one of two things. Either it's the Holy Spirit, as you've said, or it's I have been... Filled with, filled is so important. It seems right. Yes, filled and this really verb is, is always used with, with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Yeah. Do not be drunk with wine, but be full of yeah. the Spirit. Okay. So these are not like um, incorrect ideas. It just, I just always, I just kind of ask, why here? Why in this way? Right? Why in this kind of language? Mm-hmm. And I'd say the same about the last line: Jesus, you are my glorious King. Why is Jesus kingship? being discussed now. It's true. Jesus is our glorious king. It's that's really a that's a true thing. I mean, is it because he has power over death? Is it because is it because Jesus freed him? Does that make Jesus the glory? Like why I, I mean again, it's true. It's just a why here. Yeah. Right? What's the what's the coherent what what if, what is if you take these lines, these four lines all together, the empty tomb, the grip of hell, f- filled with your power, Jesus you're my king. It's like, what what connects them? The hymns that we looked at in series two, each stanza in many of these old hymns, not all of them, but in many of them, kind of had a thematic anchor or Mm -hmm. even a theological anchor in some cases, or an anchor within a kind of narrative about, you know, the, the person singing the hymn or whatever. And I just, I'm just not sure what makes these lines all go together, even if they're all things that are true. Do you think it's kind of like theological soup? 
where yeah, there's an idea. There's here's a bit of steak. Yeah, here's a bit of potatoes. Here's some tomato paste, and we'll throw it all in a pot together, and what will come out will be Christian, no doubt. Yeah, but coherent. Maybe or maybe not. Yeah, it just depends. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, it's like a casserole. Yeah, or a soup or a, soup or a stew. I think that's probably an apt metaphor. For at least, that's at least what I see, not only in this line, but I would say in this song in general. Christ's empty tomb in the second verse serves as, I think it serves as a basis okay. for an assurance for this person. Because this person reflects on the empty tomb. It heals this person's stains, although now in the, in the plural, our stains. Um, and then we have three lines that follow from that, uh, two of which are reflections on a new status, mm-hmm. and the third is praise to Christ, or acknowledging Christ's lordship over the person. So um, I think the empty tomb serves as the basis for the assertion that the grip of hell will not remain, and as the basis for Filled with your power, I'm standing free. I'll allow it. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm trying to give this song as much generosity as possible because there's a lot that doesn't make sense to me. What you're saying definitely is a charitable way to connect these things together. It still seems to me like a bit of a casserole. Sure. And maybe maybe there's a listener out there who gets it, who has the key. The, and can tell us. The decryption key and says, that look, if you great. just read this... You know, if the first line or no, the first word of each line of page 93 right. of this book by Dostoevsky, if you read that, it's the same first word in every single stanza here. Therefore, you can make sense of this. Maybe there's something obvious that we're missing by it's being too critical, that. right? It's probably that. But let's go to the chorus. Death has no power over me. Death has no power over me. I will stand in the wake of victory. So then, come what may, I'll follow all the way. Because death has no power over me. Okay, wow. Death has no power over me. That is an encouraging statement mm-hmm. to the world. And true. And it's a true statement yep. as well. It's scriptural. For the Christian, yep. Yes. In 1 Corinthians 15... Paul, citing or referencing Hosea 13, remarks this. This is verse 30, or this is verse 55 and 56. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Verse 57. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord, Jesus Christ. This, I think, forms the conceptual backbone of this chorus. Death has no power over me because uh, death has no victory. Death has no sting. Mm -hmm. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. So uh, Christ has conquered death. Mm -hmm. It has no power over me because I had no power over Christ, and I am in Christ. Mm -hmm. I will stand in the wake of victory. I think what is meant here is, just as a boat 
as it's traveling through the water has a wake mm-hmm. that goes behind it, mm-hmm. this kind of V-shaped thing. Mm-hmm. It's a clear path yeah. in choppy water because yeah, the, the boat has turned it. Through. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, interestingly, again, I am passive in this mm-hmm. thing. Th- there is something that has gone before me and brought victory, mm-hmm. and I will stand in the wake of that thing. I think it's an awkward way of formulating it, but... It, it nevertheless it communicates something that is true. Yeah. And theologically quite profound and important about monergism. I agree. No doubt. So then come what may, I'll follow all the way. I think this is following Christ. Maybe, I didn't know, yeah, following Christ. uh, Taking up my cross and following. Following to heaven because death has no power. Maybe he's saying, and this would be quite profound, even if certain death stands before me or someone's threatening me with death and says, recant of your faith. Yeah. Or you will die. And he says, no, I'll follow all the way because death has no power over me. Yeah. I think that could be a way to tie in this sentiment of um, come what may, I'll follow all the way mm-hmm. with death has no power over me. Yeah. Can you think of a better way to tie those two ideas in? I think this is him saying all the way to heaven, like through death, basically. Death doesn't, death doesn't end me because sure. and of Christ. Not to get personal with this again, but it, to be honest— if if your wife died after a few months, oh, yeah. you would have to say, come what may. And you could really mean that, too. You could say, look, yeah. I've my wife died. Come what may, I'll follow Christ, because death has no power over me, and death has no power over her either, yeah. because she was in Christ. Yeah, for sure. Okay, then we get to the last section of lyrics. There's no shame you cannot break No deepest scar you won't erase my sacrifice of praise I bring. Cause Jesus, you are my glorious King. There's no chain you cannot break, nor deepest scar you won't erase. My sacrifice of praise I bring. Cause Jesus, you are my glorious King. Okay, we're coming back to a theme. Perhaps, Colin, we should create a um, a, a spreadsheet or something, because there are some <laughs> themes that we find, they pop up in the wild of Christian music, and it's not sure. always clear where they come from, but they're all over the place. And one of them is this chain-breaking business. Yeah. Um, Amazing Grace, a few other places. Yes. Common um, thing. In, in Scripture, there is, there's literal physical bondage of one people to another yeah. or, or one uh, people who has been conquered to a warlord or something yeah. like that. And then there's a spiritual kind of bondage yeah. to sin primarily. Yeah. Um, and they're also, so they're also prisoners too, right? In Acts. Literal. Yes. Yeah. Literal prisoners chain, whose chains, chains fell away. The right. doors opened. Uh, is that act five? I think. Um, and here there's no chain that Christ cannot break. Christ, I'm assuming God, the father. I think so. Well, you can, I, well, it's been Christ up to this point. Yes, and later on, because Jesus, you are my glorious king. Yeah. So Christ breaks any chain he wants to. Yeah. Uh, there is no deepest scar you won't erase. Now— This is peculiar, is it not? Yeah. Christ bears the scars in his body, the wounds, when he is resurrected yeah. and speaks with Thomas. Yeah. So this maybe this isn't um, physical scars. This is these are mental scars or, or emotional, emotional, spiritual, spiritual yeah, scars. Yeah, and I, I, I think 
this this is troublesome perhaps okay. because if we have a deep emotional wound let's say someone has deeply hurt us yeah does christ erase that or does he heal it does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's a good a, point. A scar is right. proof of healing. It's right. it's it may not be beautiful yeah. anymore, but uh, it is proof that a wound was inflicted and my body overcame that wound. Yeah. Um, or maybe right. I was on death's door and a doctor helped my body to overcome right. the wound. So, uh, do we want to erase wounds? Am I being a little bit too uh, persnickety about language? I don't think you are. No, I don't think you are. Because, I mean, even if we think about something like our sin, I mean, Scripture says, for example, that Revelate, when we read Revelation, the redeemed are singing about being redeemed, which suggests that they haven't forgotten that they were sinful, right? Now, I don't know if our song about being redeemed is going to list off all of our sins, but clearly there's a sense in which Things were, things were broken, things were in a bad way, and then God, you fixed it. And if we forget that things were in a bad way, then what did God really fix? So I, I mean, obviously we're making a big deal out of the word erase here, but it seems well. We have to make a big deal out of it because it's being used in a yeah. way that, if taken literally, is confusing, and if taken figuratively is potentially quite troublesome yeah. uh, theologically. Yeah, so it's just one of these areas where a, a different word, like, uh, yeah, like heal would have worked. Now, he's trying to rhyme. The the camps are trying to rhyme with break, so maybe they use erase. Uh, and I actually think that's why they talk about Jesus being the glorious king, because I just don't think that follows from... I, I do. From, uh, well, it follows do. in this verse. I don't think it follows in the previous oh, verse. Oh, okay, fair enough. Um, but... Um, so, so that's, I, I do think it follows in this verse. I agree. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think the rhyming and that's the issue with eternally as well in the first line, like just trying to make it rhyme. Then let's take a look at the second half of that, right? Yeah. My sacrifice of praise I bring cause Jesus, you are my glorious King. Now, this is another one of the Christian sacrifice of praise yeah thing. exactly it break my chains and hedge of protection i don't know this is one of these christianisms i thought about this i, I was reminded of our discussion on faith turned to sight because oh, yeah. that was another one where you think okay this is christianese but is it biblical and you can't find it in the bible but of course this is it's in the bible in hebrews 13 we yep. learn literally what a literal sacrifice of literal praise is yep. um, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to god that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. And interestingly, in this verse, this is exactly what happens, right? My sacrifice of praise I bring, because Jesus, you are my glorious king. Right, that so is the fruit of right. lips that acknowledge his name and that acknowledge his lordship. Right. And, are, and are through him, right? Because that's a clause that's really important in that verse mm -hmm. hebrews thirteen fifteen. through him let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise so that works here it's one of the few places where it works you don't see this uh you don't actually we said that this is kind of a trendy or a, a kind of christian cliche i don't actually know if sacrifice of praise comes up as much in the last decade or two it's very common in like the 80s and 
90s. I don't know if your boy Rich Mullins uses this, but I can think of a bunch of songs that I sang in churches in the 80s and 90s that talk about sacrifices of praise. Rich Mullins was very much anti-trend, though. Oh, okay. So if I think if something was trendy, he would find a way to complain. He was very contrarian in that okay. way. Every talk is down It's trampled at your feet The grave that will not hold me down On death where is your sting The enemy can't make a sound He bows in his defeat The curse was broken on that day The bloody Calvary Oh, death has no power Alright, so then we have the fear of every darkest hour is trampled at your feet. The grave, it will not hold me down. O death, where is your sting? The enemy can't make a sound. He bows in his defeat. The curse was broken on that day you bled at Calvary. Okay, so he does set the record straight on yes. what, what Some, broke the curse. We mentioned this verse yeah. from 1 Corinthians 15 before, and this is, lit, this is uh, given word for word here. And... Um, there are some sentiments in here that are interesting. The fear of every darkest hour is this, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Is that what's meant? Because the valley of the shadow of death sounds like the darkest hour yeah. to me. Um, and we learned that it's trampled. This fear is trampled at Jesus's feet. So he's conquered the the greatest fears that men can have, which I think we can say is death. I don't know what men are more afraid of than their own. Um, yeah. Finitude. Yeah. Um, the grave, it will not hold me down. I wondered if this was a reference to Johnny Cash's ain't no grave can hold my body down. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Oh, death, where's your sting? The enemy can't make a sound. He bows in his defeat. I think he cannot make a sound is not, Merely a statement about his being mute, right? Yeah. But it's actually a statement about his impotence. He can yeah. do nothing. Yeah. He has no authority to do anything yeah. about my salvation or his own defeat. There's nothing mm -hmm. he can do, and he will be gravely punished mm -hmm. for what he has done. The curse was broken on that day you bled at Calvary. So that's pretty good. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yes, the curse of the law on his people. Do you think that's the curse that's meant? We don't know. Cur could be the curse of being death, the curse gripped, of death, the grip of hell too. He doesn't mention the law anywhere else. So, but you know, um there are multiple interpretations of curse. They're all okay. I wondered if it was Adam's curse. Yeah. Uh, which right. you know, God tells him yeah. by sweat and toil yeah. you shall labor and that was a consequence of sin, original sin, and the wages of sin is death. I was maybe I'm going a little bit far to kind of explain what might be meant here, but yeah, certainly curses were broken. Yeah. I mean, there's not really a bad interpretation of this, and again, I yeah. like that he ties it to the cross, Calvary. I mean, he names it absolutely. Okay, uh, Tyler, let's get into some kind of final thoughts. I will say, just having gone through this with you now. Uh, I was more negative on the song going into it. I would say I'm ever so slightly more positive. I do still think there are parts of this song where, yeah, he's 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 almost like throwing darts at a dartboard or 
yeah, throwing ingredients into a casserole where he's putting in some kind of pious sounding phrases or just cliches or just kind of other bits of language that are not very clearly tied to other parts of the song. So I do think there's still some of that in the song. I'm realizing that there's maybe less of that than I thought. Yes. It's not always clear. It's not always coherent, but it's not absurd. No, that's true. And it's not heretical either. Yes. It has a lot of elements that are true. They don't form a cohesive either narrative structure, as you described, or argumentative structure. Mm-hmm. But they are all tangentially related to yes. death sure. and Christ sure. defeating death. Sure. And so maybe that's a theme that ties it together, even if it's not laid out in a chronologically sound way or a yeah. um, in, the fr- in the form of a logical argument. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, then. Colin, reason has no power over me. <laughs> All right? You are a product of the Enlightenment. Yeah. You can only view but, things. I mean, put it this way. I was going to give this paper, this, you know, if, that was gonna, if this was a paper, I would have probably given it a C. And now at this point, I'm thinking like, okay, this this isn't like the student needs to totally rewrite the paper, you know. This is like the student just needs to do some sign, better signposting. The structure is okay, but signposting at least needs to be done better. You um, really are an elitist. I, I How do you guess. live with yourself? How do you sleep at night? <laughs> Very soundly. <laughs> Very soundly. Yep. Uh, Tyler, what would you give this song for a rating? I'm going to give it three out of five airplanes. There was no airplane in the video, but... Adrian Camp is wearing what I learned is called a jumpsuit. Uh, I, I know that sounds so stupid, like I don't know what things are called, but I don't know women's fashion that well. And I said, Anastasia, what do you call a dress with legs? And she said, is this a joke? And I said, no, no, just what do you call something that looks like a dress, but it has pant legs? And she said, oh, a jumpsuit? And I said, yeah, is that because you can jump in it? And she said, maybe, I don't know. And I started looking into the etymology of it. Do you know where jumpsuit comes from? It was originally worn by parachuters. Oh, yeah, sure. Actually, I knew that. It, you would, yeah. I, I, yeah, jumping sounds, out of a plane. In yeah. hindsight, you sound so dumb because it, it's so obvious. But yeah. it, some things are so obvious that you miss them on the first yeah. glance. And so but, she's wearing something to jump out of an airplane. Wait, but not in the video for this song. Yeah. She is? Yeah. Oh. In the one where they're side by side, all kind of far apart from one another. Okay. In it looks like a renovated barn or something yeah, like yeah. that. It looked a lot okay. like the Getty song. Oh, I guess song. that must be what she's wearing. Okay. I must have missed that. Although that I yes, you're, I'm vaguely remembering that. Um, although I see, I was wondering if you were referencing because you said was it airplanes that you said? Mm-hmm. One of the videos. Oh, sorry, aeroplanes okay. for our UK listeners go. and South African listeners. One of the videos for the Benjamin Gate has her like jumping up and down on airplane wings. Like oh, they're yeah. in, they're in like a, they're in like a, an airport, you know, like a, like with some airplanes out and out and about. And so they're kind of like walking around the planes and stuff. Okay. But she's not in the air jumping up and down. No, 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 no. no. She's just on, she's like standing up on the wing and like dancing on it. And stuff. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. No, I, that would have been a good reference, but I'm not uh, that aware of unintentional Benjamin YouTube videos. Unintentional uh, connection. Colin, what'd you give it? Well, I initially was going to give it a three. Um, 
But and and I would say this. Let me say this. If this was series one, where we are looking at songs sung in churches, I'd still give this song a three. Since we're talking about songs that are broadly on radio, being listened to more generally among Christendom and maybe even outside of Christendom, if we just in the context of this series, I think I will bump that up to a four out of five first harmonies. Okay. Because she on uh, the third above him the yep. entire time. Yeah, it's like you know how this works in churches. <laughs> I remember when I first figured out how to sing harmony, it were the it was these these thirds, right? Um, it is just the most common. It's like the easiest harmony to sing, especially in a song like this, which is really um, the chord progression is really simple, the melody just really easy. In fact, this song, like I'm shocked that this song is doing well, t- 2020s because. This song sounds like it was written in 1998. Melodically, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Both melodically and even in many ways, like the production and instrumentation, like it's just kind of bandy. Yeah. Um, it, there it is just, something kind of alt-rock about how yeah. it feels. Yes. You can see that. Yes. And and then the harmony, too. Like her <laughs> harmony, and singing the harmony on virtually every line, and it's always that third. It's like... This is like this is like taking me back to doing church when I was a a teenager, and like I was once I figured out how to do that third harmony, I just sung it constantly. Like any song, I just sang it a third above above whatever the melody was. I thought it sounded so great. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Worship Review. We hope you have a good rest of your week. Tune in for our episodes each Monday, and. Do please uh, check us out on Twitter, and you're also welcome to send emails to feedback at the Worship Review, and you're also welcome to send us money if you like at Anchor FM, the Worship Review, or Patreon.com, the Worship Review. Thanks a bunch. See you next time. Take care. You've been listening to the Worship Review. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, or email us at feedback at theworshipreview.com. We accept donations at Anchor FM slash The Worship Review and Patreon.com slash The Worship Review. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.